I am happy to have someone from the music team come down and read scripture for you today. This is Andrew Van Helsen. Okay, this is the book of Obadiah, verse 1 to 4 and uh, 15 to 18. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up. Let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you, a, make you small among nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Verse 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there, are the, there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Diana Calvin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have a question for you. When you know you need some time in God's Word, when you just need to connect with Him, and you take some time to just spend some good time with Him, what are your go-to books, your go-to passages? You know that you can open your Bible and you can find the hope that you're looking for. What, what are some of those? Would you just speak them out? What are they? What is it? First John, that's a good one. Romans, okay. Get some doctrine. Philippians, yes. Okay, well, I haven't heard anyone yet say Obadiah. Thank you. It's really hard to imagine one of the minor prophet books being a go-to book for a devotional. But this morning, I hope that what we see about who God is and who we are in the book of Obadiah will connect our hearts in profound ways with God so that maybe, just maybe, when you need to sit down with your Bible, well, you're probably not going to look at Obadiah, but you might consider it right after this morning. And here's why. Obadiah is a book that shows us God's commitment to justice. And because he is judge, through Christ we can live in humility and hope. In Obadiah, we're going to see 
that God's heart for justice is so strong, he is so committed to justice, that that allows and even calls us to live in humility and hope as we do three things, as we see our pride, as we speak and act justly, and as we spread the hope of Christ in his kingdom, as we see our pride, which is often hard to do, as we speak and act justly, and as we spread the hope of Christ and his kingdom. Would you please pray with me this morning? Almighty God, help us this morning to anticipate and pay attention to whatever movement of the Spirit will take place. Take away our protests and our pointing fingers and give us courage to open our own hearts and trust that you will meet us there. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are in a series on the Minor Prophets, and last Sunday we saw in Amos God's judgment on Israel, the descendants of Jacob, and Obadiah turns the tables now, and we're going to see the judgment of God on Edom, the descendants of of Esau, Jacob's brother. So we have to begin the book of Obadiah by going all the way back to Genesis 25 and the ongoing family feud, brother against brother, going down to descendants against descendants. From Genesis, we know that Jacob and Esau had an argument, didn't they? And no small argument, right? It was over a birthright and a bowl of stew. Brothers argue about things, right? But this was no no small argument. From one broken relationship, one broken relationship, somehow all of Jacob's descendants and all of Esau's descendants kept it going and going. It didn't just keep going. It multiplied exponentially to where you had nations against nations. After all, what's a good argument without getting everybody you can on your side? So here they are in Obadiah, Jacob's Israel, and Esau's Edom. And in verse 1, if you have your Bible or your device, turn there. In verse 1, God calls the rest of the nations to come together. Can you think of another time when God calls the nations together? Revelation 7, when every tribe and tongue and nation will come together to sing and joy and praise and worship of God. But somehow in Obadiah, we don't see that. That's not the kind of calling together that God is doing. We see that God's establishment of his kingdom of love, that kingdom that will be fully realized in, in Revelation 7, it can't take shortcuts. God's commitment to justice won't allow that. We can't go around or avoid justice and skip ahead to where everything just turns out great in the end. Verse 1. This oracle is the Lord saying, rise up. His stand on justice is bold and it's fierce. He says, let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you Edom small among the nations. You shall be utterly Despise. The irony here is that Edom was already small in numbers and in landmass, so you know this judgment is going to be really, really bad for them. And what's the first thing that God brings judgment about? Look at verse 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you, 
you who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwellings, who say in your heart, who will bring me down? The first thing God judges is the heart. And we see all through the scriptures that the thing God most relentlessly pursues is the affection of his people's hearts. He wants our hearts. The Edomites had a heart of pride. That verse 3 says, deceived even themselves. They didn't recognize their pride. They thought that they were in control and that they didn't need God. Because practically speaking, they could take care of themselves. This, oops, where is it? There we go. This is a picture of what was Edom. They lived in cliffs high above everyone else. They could quite literally look down on everyone. No one could see them except the ones that they could see. So there was no opportunity for surprise attack. They really did think they were invincible, and it kind of looked like they were. No no airplanes, no satellites. Take that out of the equation, and the person, the highest person has the most advantage, or so they thought. But in Obadiah, God pulls back the curtain of pride in their hearts in the one place that they do not have any power to protect, where they're vulnerable, and God exposes them. Now, it would be really easy for us to sit back right now and say, well, those bad Edomites, they were terrible. So let me interrupt those thoughts with a few that might make us a little more uncomfortable. Do you know where you hide your pride? Most of us don't go around talking about how great we are, do we? We've kind of learned that that's not acceptable, so we keep our pride hidden and often from ourselves. The book of Obadiah is a gift to those of us who hide our pride, which would be all of us at one point or another, right? It reveals the heart and character of God, slow to judge, persistent to offer his life and love and mercy. Later in Obadiah, oh, let me take us through those these things. So these are um, let's look. Let's be a little lighthearted about this, right? Okay. Uh, these are might things you might have if you have a heart of pride. Have you ever had those heard those lists where they say you might be a Texan if? Okay, this is what you might have a heart of pride if. Of course, you might have a heart of pride if you're a Texan. <laughs> but notice the word might. If this doesn't apply to you, it's no problem. You might have a heart of pride if you're really irritated by other people's pride. You might have a heart of pride if... You criticize much more than you compliment. You can always think of a better way to do things. You might have a heart of pride if 
Most of your friends are just like you because if they're like you, they must be pretty good. You might have a heart of pride if you need a lot of affirmation. Now, everybody wants affirmation, right? And we need affirmation. But I'm talking about the constant need for everyone to tell us how great we are. You might have a heart of pride if you struggle with anxiety. Now, I'm not talking about a medical issue that needs to be treated just like any other medical issue. But if you struggle with anxiety, it could be sometimes it's a confidence that it's up to you and you alone to control anything that might go wrong and to replace it with your idea of what's right. And you could have a heart of pride if you don't ask for help. You can and will do it yourself. And probably better than anybody else anyway. Now, I did not get these out of a book, unless you consider Diana Calvin's journal a book. You may have other things. But I'd like for us to consider the hidden pride in our heart. And I'd like to do something a little bit different right now. I'd like for us to take just a couple of minutes of silence. And before the Lord, I'd like for you to ask him to reveal your hidden pride. And if he already has, through any of these or through just the Spirit's work in your heart right now today, I'd like for you to just confess that to him. We confess our sin every Sunday. This is just another opportunity to confess to the Lord the one who already knows what's hidden and is longing for us to see him pull back the veil of our hearts so that his mercy can enter in. So let's take a moment or two of silent prayer. Almighty God, by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we proclaim your forgiveness. We agree that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We ask that you would silence any condemning thoughts, any hint of shame, and flood our doubting hearts with the abundance of grace that you so generously give. Let us know that we are made clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, in Obadiah verse 4, we see where the Edomites' confidence in themselves leads. It leads them into God's justice. Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars... From there, I will bring you down, declares the Lord. It will be a severe judgment. Obadiah goes on in verses 5 and 6. He describes, at least when a thief comes, they don't take everything. They grab what they can get and then run. And when people gather grapes, they leave a little bit for the gleaners. 
But the kind of destruction that God is bringing is complete. And it's the kind that hurts the most when your allies, the people you thought were on your side, turn against you. God is going to use every confidence that the Edomites had. He's going to use everything that they held to be true and invincible. And he's going to use all of that to bring them down. Instead of being on high, you will be brought low. And it will be by the people that should have been your family. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, wow, that is harsh. Did anybody read Obadiah this past week? We've been doing that. Some of you did. Anybody feel like God was being pretty harsh? Yeah, it's pretty pretty strong. Diana, I thought you said this sermon was about humility and hope. I get the humility, but where's the hope? How does seeing pride lead us to live in hope? Well, I think this is where we see where God's mercy and God's justice intersect. Because we know, we know that the book of, of Obadiah, this prophecy, is but one part of the entire story of God. We know that it is but one of the connections between Genesis and Revelation. And one of those connections is in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Mike read from chapter 2 this morning. Paul says, chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. God's destruction and his judgment had a purpose to point to a kingdom coming where true justice would reign over everything and every form of deceit, even pride, including pride, would be defeated forever. The judgment in Obadiah points us to Christ, to the need for a Savior more powerful than any enemy with a far, far greater love. If you are needing hope today, if you need to be reminded of hope, seeing pride in your heart might be an unlikely but good place to start, connecting God's judgment with his mercy and love. If today you see the pride in your heart of believing you're in control of your life and don't need a Savior, and you've never recognized your need for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ is ready with mercy to welcome and meet you. He opens his arms to his remarkable love, and you could admit your need to the one who will rule for eternity in justice and love. And you can do that right now. And if you do, I'd love to talk to you after the service. And for all of us needing hope, which again is all of us, here's a funny thing about seeing our pride. When we see it, We'll see judgment as God's job, not ours. And think about this. Do we as a church 
Trinity Fellowship Church and the church, do we as a church offer others a picture of the church that is full of humility and hope? Or like the Edomites, do we look down on everyone else? Obadiah shows us that God looks at that kind of pride with the ultimate of harshness, much more harsh judgment than any than for any sin that we might be pointing out in others. And when we see that, then we can approach others not with judgment, but as fellow needers of grace. And then we can live in humility and hope. Because pride out of hiding will lose its power. It can't keep us stuck in misery or addiction or isolation or all the things that happen when we work so very hard to hide our pride. And we are free to live in the greater hope of God in Jesus Christ. I love how C.S. Lewis, well, I actually love how C.S. Lewis says most things, but I love how he says this. People are not, are people who are truly humble don't recognize it. They are not thinking of themselves or others at all. They are too busy enjoying life. And as we're doing that, we'll follow the heart of God in Obadiah into a humility and hope that allows us to see pride and then out of that humility to speak and act justly. And the order there is really important. First, we see our own pride and then we speak and act Injustice In verse 10 and 11, really all the way through verses, verse 14, but in verses 10 and 11, God judges the Edomites for two things. In verse 10, for their violent acts, and in verse 11, for their inaction. They're standing by aloof, saying and doing nothing while their brother nation was being attacked. He says, in the very time that you could have stood up and spoken for what is right, you didn't act like a brother You acted like a stranger, like someone who didn't even know. How do we avoid this as a church? Well, one way is to enter justice conversations with humility and hope. Now, Mike talked last week about how there's a lot of um, inflammation around this word justice, particularly social justice, and there's all these extremes that people go to when they hear those those trigger words. I'd like for us to not think in those terms. I'd like for us to, to look at God's word and what God's word says about justice. Can we not talk about justice? From the book of Obadiah, can we Can we stand by, aloof, while injustices are being done? I think it's clear that God's justice calls us to speak and act into injustice. The truths of our faith that we're going to recite in a few minutes in the creed, in a few minutes in the creed, those are the things that guide our conversation about justice or social justice. It's not a free-for-all conversation. We have guardrails around it. We have leaders. We have elders and leadership partners and pastors and and all of you who are committed to guarding the truth. So this is not an off-the-rails conversation. 
But talk and act we must. We must. As long as there is racial reconciliation needed in our country, the church must talk about the wrongs that have been done to people of color. A God committed to justice doesn't allow us to skip over that. As long as there are human lives in danger unjustly, whether that's lives in the womb or lives on the streets, we are called to speak and to act justly. Not out of anger and bitterness, but out of hope. That the king of kings will rule and make one day all things right. And so we have confidence to speak into those areas, not not with a sense of doom, but with a sense of reconciliation and hope. And that's the hope Obadiah offers in verses 17 through 21. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. And then verse 21. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. This is a prophecy fulfilled partially. And yet there's even more to hope for. There's a greater hope of the full realization of Christ's perfectly just reign overall when he comes again. The verse I read from Philippians, verse 2. Chapter 2 is followed by verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow low in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our hope is not in ourselves. It is in the certain hope of Jesus Christ. A hope and humility we can live in right now and we will live in it fully and forever when Christ returns. That's a good hope. Well, what are some practical ways that we can live in hope and humility this week? Well, one is what we've already done. To pray. Pray prayers and confession for where God is revealing pride in your heart. I'm a little bit older than some of you, and so I can tell you with experience that this is a lifelong process. God is continually pursuing our hearts. But if you're in a connection group, and I I would love for you to be in a connection group. You can ask me about that. But if you're in a connection group, a Bible study, um, Pray these prayers of confession with your group and then speak God's forgiveness and Christ's assurance that you are clean from sin. Speak that to one another when you confess. Number two, speak into justice with humility. That's the important part, to speak into it with humility. Do you have opportunities where you can speak into injustice? I can think of many people in the body who share with me stories about their work and how when they interact with people, they are able to help that person with a particular injustice. 
they're able to move justice forward. If you need an opportunity for that, you can talk to Liz Johnson or myself because the fall semester is starting up for our international students. And they come to town, they, they need friendship partners, um, they need a person just that they can get to know. Talk to Glenna if you want to hear a good experience about that. But here's what they also come with. They come with vulnerabilities. They don't know our systems. They barely know our language in many cases. And it's very easy for them to get taken advantage of. And it has happened. Talk to Liz and you'll hear those stories. As believers, we can be voices of justice for those who need it. And when we enter into those places... We can share, this is the third thing that we can do this week, we can share the hope that is in us. The hope of a just God who rules and reigns in justice and who will fully reign in justice at one time. That that we can share with others hope. I'd like to challenge you, anybody here a glass half full person? Okay, I see several. That means the rest of you are glass half empty. No, I know it doesn't really mean that. But I'd like for all of us to consider filling our glass half full this week. Fill your glass half full so that when you interact with people, they see a person of hope. They see a picture of the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, you do that long enough, and people are going to say, something different about that person. And if they do, you can tell them what is different. But the groundwork of that conversation will be who you really are. You can't fake it. You can't paste a smile on. But you can live in the hope that we all have in our good and just God. Trinity Fellowship Church can move that kingdom forward by the way we live. And when we share that with other people, we will stand out for our humility and our hope. A certain hope in Jesus Christ and his reign over his kingdom with justice. Let's pray. Father, we respond this morning to your word and your great love with hearts of worship. Use these scriptures, we pray, to transform our hearts from pride to humility, from despair to hope, so that we might be busy enjoying the life you offer us and attract others to that love. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.